And good morning and welcome to Let's Talk. Tracy Morgan in with you. Of course, this half hour is our half hour that we bring in fantastic professionals to talk about issues that are important to you and businesses that are important to you. Today, today is our day with the Butler Health System, and we're actually going to be talking about a topic under the urology umbrella, but we're going to be talking about screening and testing for testicular cancer and other issues as well in that area. So we are going to bring in Dr. Anthony DiMatteo in just a moment, and we're going to have that discussion, and that will be our full discussion for the half hour. Before we do welcome in the doctor, let me give you all the different ways that you can listen, because as always, you do have us on the radio at 680 AM or 107.5 FM. You do have Alexa-powered devices that you can depend on. You just say, Alexa, play WISR 680. That should be enough. You have the option to listen to us streaming online. So, of course, you have us at 680.com. And then you're going to hit a button there right on the top of the screen that says, listen live. Self-explanatory. Just hit it. It'll take you where you need to go. The last option that you have is going to be the app for ISR. If you want to look for the app wherever you get your apps, you can put it on whatever device you want and you can listen that way as well. So plenty of different ways that you can listen. And also the nice thing is, is if you do have to leave us at some point in this conversation, you can always catch this back on our website on our podcast page. So what you do is again, WISR680.com. You're going to pick programs and then you're going to pick Let's Talk. And that's where you're going to find this particular conversation. All right, let's do it. Dr. Anthony DiMatteo, he has been with us before. Of course, his focus is in urology with the Butler Health System. Dr. DiMatteo, nice to have you back on the program. Thank you so much for your time. Now, this is a, a rather serious conversation, but I want to first ask you before we get into the topic of testicular cancer, how long have you focused in this field? How long have you been doing what you do? Yeah, exactly. So uh, I've been in Butler now uh, for five years, uh, which uh, talk about time flying. It, it feels like just yesterday. But uh, yeah, I've been in Butler for five years um, and uh, was uh, uh, in the Detroit area prior to coming here to finish my training. And that was a five-year uh, time there as well. So I've, I've been involved in urology now for uh, going on 10 years uh, and uh, have seen quite a few patients with a variety of uh, urologic cancers. Um, you know, we'll talk about testicular cancer today, uh, and uh, they don't get too worried about what we're going to talk about here. But I think awareness goes uh, goes a long way. And when I see patients in clinic, uh, they oftentimes are very nervous about what to expect. And so I think having these conversations uh, out in the open and for public to hear hopefully uh, decreases some of their stress and anxiety about uh, about the subject matter. Do you think that's why some people hold back from even making an appointment with you or any doctor to talk about testicular cancer because it, it is embarrassing to them? It, it, you are exactly correct. Actually, the uh, I, I, was, I was going through some of the statistics before we talked. Uh, the average time that it takes a male to come to the doctor after they find an abnormality in their scrotum is five months. So think about how long they'd be sitting at home worried, anxious, telling people, losing sleep, uh, and too embarrassed to tell their spouse, their partner, 
um, you know, a family member, parent, um, uh, or even their, their doctor, that something is good. And men don't like part of our, our reproductive system. The human race wouldn't survive without that. Uh, and so, you know, we'll, we'll talk about it in that context and uh, trying to save some lives. So first, can you outline what an abnormality would be? So if, if we need to ease the mind of someone who may have found something and they don't have to worry about that versus somebody who questions, is that abnormal or, or is it not? What is it that you're, how do you define abnormality? So, uh, the, I mean, so the most common uh, things that people may find on exam, uh, and I guess we can we can talk about the the exam that they can do at home uh, first. Is um, you know, the, the easiest way for for men to examine themselves is usually uh, after a shower or after a bath, after the the warm water has caused the scrotal skin to relax. It's much easier to examine the testicle. You know, men are born with two of them, right side and the left side. Um, some people at birth uh, don't have two of them for one reason or another. So, but you know, that individual would know uh, whether they were born with one or two. And most men have to want to examine both sides and usually they are symmetrical. So it's very easy to compare one side to the other. And if something doesn't add up, uh, absolutely that would be a reason. Don't hesitate, get a, uh, get a, get a doctor's opinion. What are the, some of the things that they might feel that would be asymmetric? Well, uh, number one would just be like a painless lump or a mass that they would feel. And typically a testicular mass is, is hard. Uh, so typically the testicle is kind of very soft and compressible. A abnormal tumor would be hard, almost like a golf ball hard. And you can feel the difference in the density and the texture. Number two is the testicle itself can swell. And it may be painful, it may not be painful. You know, you don't always feel discomfort. Uh, but it just will be larger than the other side. Uh, most men um, have fairly symmetrical testes, but not everybody does. Um, and so that's why it's important to become familiar with your own anatomy. Is one side larger than the other? It's important to have a baseline. And then over time, if it changes, that would be another reason to seek out medical attention. The other thing that people may notice is more of just kind of a dull ache or, uh, or some fullness or discomfort or, or, or even some pain on one side of the testicle or may even radiate up into the lower groin or down into the pelvis. That would warrant some additional testing like an ultrasound or, you know, a doctor's exam to make sure that nothing else is present there. Now, this is also atypical, but people may notice men uh, with, a, uh, with, with a, a specific type of testicular tumor may notice that their breast tissue actually starts enlarging. And that can be so embarrassing for a male that they're afraid to tell any about, anybody about it. And it's not until they're already seeing a doctor and we start asking about it that they'll say that, oh, my goodness, I'm, I'm growing breasts. Uh, but this is something that really needs to be uh, uh, tested if that's the first diagnosis or the first symptom that, that people notice. Um, and then just any, um, any lump in the scrotum, maybe not necessarily as tightly associated with the testicle, but any lump or firmness that, um, uh, that, that was not there previously would warrant uh, a physical exam. And, you know, even if you uh, don't want to come straight to the urologist, a lot of patients have, you know, a, a well-established relationship with their primary doctor, either their pediatrician or their, or their family doctor. 
you know, they are all trusted individuals. They're all good at the physical exam, and they would know what additional testing would need to be ordered uh, to figure out uh, whether or not you actually need the, the input of a urologist. Can I go back to the chest for a moment and ask this, of course, sincerely? When you have a man in that position where the chest is enlarging, would that man typically have any other symptoms or when that man comes to see you, sometimes can that be the only symptom that they're exhibiting? Usually they don't have any other uh, symptoms that they notice. Uh, when a medical professional examines them, you know, usually we would find the, the testicular mass at that time. But since it's not always painful and if, and if men are not examining themselves, they, they wouldn't have realized it to begin with. So let's talk a little bit about the process. If they have a question, then they come into you. What's the next step in this process? Yeah, sure. So first is just a, a, a good physical exam by a, by a medical expert. And, uh, you know, for the, the first couple things that we're trying to determine are, you know, is there something suspicious there? Or uh, is there something else going on in the scrotum? and or testicles that also needs medical attention. Uh, and so a lot of times we can figure that out just with a physical exam and getting a good history from the patient. So did they have an injury or a trauma to the groin? Um, uh, do they have any urinary symptoms? Does it sound like a urinary tract infection? Could they have developed an infection then of the testicle or the epididymis, which is tightly associated to the, uh, to the testicle? Is it a pain that came on suddenly? And is this a younger patient? And that's going to be something called a testicular torsion. And usually those patients are in the emergency department because the pain is so severe. Um, and uh, that's, that's a surgical emergency, and we need to treat that quickly. Also, on a good physical exam, we can tell, is it a hernia? Is the swelling in the scrotum due to a loop of bowel coming down from the groin and filling the scrotum. If so, that's treated by uh, hernia specialists, uh, which are the general surgeons here in town. And uh, that uh, also uh, you know, needs to be addressed and treated so you don't end up with you know, bowel problems uh, and you know, a different type of surgical emergency there. Or the other big thing is you can get other just cysts and some fluid that builds up in the scrotum or around the testicle and those are called hydrocele's or spermatocele's. And oftentimes we can figure that out just on exam. Uh, now, if there's any degree of uncertainty, what we order is we order an ultrasound of the scrotum, which is a painless, easy diagnostic test that is done uh, at any of the outpatient imaging centers or over at the hospital. Uh, it does not take very long to do, uh, and it gives us really great uh, x-ray or you know, radiologic images uh, of the scrotum of the testicles and all of the surrounding structures. So if there's any concern, is it a cyst or is it a tumor? Uh, we can see, we can measure the abnormality and we can, with a, a pretty good degree of certainty, figure out whether there is something suspicious there or not. Dr. Anthony DiMatteo is with us. Of course, he's urology with the Butler Health System. And I, I want to ask you about treatments and I want to ask you about the options that a man would have after being diagnosed. But before we get to those questions, can I ask you about some statistics? Who would have the highest risk for this? 
Absolutely. So first of all, just want to let the people listening know that testicular cancer is rare. Uh, it, 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 it affects young men. Um, so the, the, the main ages that's affected start around the age of 15. It's around the age of puberty up through um, uh, early adulthood around the age of 35. There can be some testicular tumors that present later in adulthood, but most of the cancers that we're worried about usually between the ages of 15 and 35, and it is rare. Only 1% of all cancers in men are testicular cancer. So what does that break out? out, uh, Last year, that was 9,600 cases in the United States. And uh, of those, Almost all of them survive. The, uh, the, the survival rate for early diagnosed testicular cancer is almost 100%. And even for advanced metastatic testicular cancer, uh, the, uh, the, the, the long-term uh, survival rate is excellent, still over 85%. Um, a, a, a story that most people have probably heard and remember was back in the 90s when Lance Armstrong was diagnosed. He had a very aggressive form of testicular cancer that had spread into his lungs and into his brain. And he was able to beat the entire disease and has never had a relapse and is disease-free now over 20 years later. And that is possible, even for people that are not world-class athletes, that is possible. And so it is important to seek out medical attention if you find any sort of abnormality so we can start you on that treatment. I know you're here obviously not to talk about breast cancer, but I understand that in this area, breast cancer numbers are relatively high. Is that the same thing for testicular cancer? Do you have any numbers for our region or even Butler County? Uh, I The exact number, uh, I don't have uh, immediately uh, at my fingertips, but I, I do know from what I've looked at it before, it's actually pretty consistent with national averages. So so luckily, this area has been spared from uh, from higher rates of this. But it's still possible. So again, I, I implore men out there to get checked out, especially if you think that there is an issue. So let's go on to the surgeries, the radiation, the chemotherapies. What is the first step whenever you're looking at treatment? So the first step is uh, we want to have a, a high degree of, uh, of, 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 of concern that there is actually a tumor there. So based on the physical exam and the ultrasound, by that point, we can usually say there is a tumor there, and if there is a tumor present, there is a high likelihood that it is cancer. So actually what we do is we remove the surgery is a removal of the testicle. Now, we only remove the affected side. We do not remove the other side. Uh, and uh, essentially, we remove the testicle and send it to the pathologist. They biopsy it and give us the um, – so it's basically the biopsy and the treatment all at the same time. Now, the reason we do that is because the lymphatic drainage of the testicle is different than the surrounding skin to the area. And so we make a small incision in the lower part of the abdomen where a hernia repair would be. And we actually lift the testicle up and we divide it at this blood supply up high near the lower part of the groin. That prevents any spread of the tumor at the time of manipulating it. And if we did a biopsy, it would expose other areas 
to a change in lymphatic drainage. So we'd actually increase the risk of the patient to a recurrence in an area that would normally not be at risk. So people often, men are oftentimes surprised when we say we have to take your testicle out, but it's because we're trying to prevent future risks for them and limiting any future risk of recurrence. Now, since most of the men are young, you know, the average 15 to 35, most of those men have not yet had children, or if they have had children with their spouse, uh, they may not be done having children. So one of the things that we talk to all of our patients about is sperm banking uh, in order to maintain their fertility after surgery and after any potential treatment, whether it be chemotherapy or radiation. Now, not everybody is interested in doing that, but it is important for people to consider so uh, so we're not uh, disrupting their, uh, their dreams for the family that they want. Now, the other thing that we do is we order some lab tests preoperatively, and those are what we call testicular tumor markers. And there's basically three hormones that a lot of testicular tumors will create. And when these tumors um, uh, grow, uh, these tumor markers uh, help us uh, determine one way or the other uh, basically, the, the patient's risk group, and then what type of cancer it could be. If they're elevated, then those are tumor markers that we're able to use and follow after the testicle is removed and during and after any additional cancer treatment, whether it be, can whether it be chemo or radiation. So kind of like you know colon cancer, for example, where, or, or ovarian cancer, where there are tumor markers that we're able to follow, uh, we also have that for testicular cancer. Uh, is this, I, I, I hate to interrupt you. I know, yeah. I know you're on a roll here and I want you to continue. I, I want to jump back whenever you were talking about the concern of having kids. Is testicular cancer a fast moving cancer? I'm sure you've had many, many patients ask you, how much time do I have to decide and make these decisions? Yeah. So when somebody presents to our office with a testicular tumor, uh, usually we are scheduling uh, the surgery called an orchiectomy. Usually we schedule that surgery within a week. So, you know, it, they need to make a decision about sperm banking. You know, there are fertility centers nearby that are able to assist with that. And we, we can make that referral. And then, you know, usually nine times out of 10, within a couple of days, uh, we have them scheduled in the operating room uh, in order to uh, start the start the treatment. Dr. DiMatteo, why don't you go ahead and, and continue with the topic of treatments. If it's not surgery, then do you choose radiation or chemotherapy? Yeah. So once the testicle is removed, uh, we then usually follow up with some abdominal x-rays, chest x-rays, in order to determine, you know, are there any swollen lymph nodes or evidence that this cancer has spread? Uh, if so, that will start to determine what additional treatment they may need. Um, now, the good news is a large number of these tumors are very early stage. So even though, you know, the male may be uh, you know, too embarrassed to come in, he waits a couple of months, we do the surgery, a lot of times it's still an early stage. In those patients, if there's no evidence that it has spread, have an option of surveillance without needing any chemotherapy or radiation. And now what they need is they just need regular CT scans of their abdomen to determine whether or not any lymph nodes start growing. And if so, we can offer them treatment. But the great news is, is the patients that undergo surveillance, their long-term survival rate is still about 99%. So even if we wait 
for it to come back. We still have great treatment options that are able to kill it and stop it in its tracks with great long-term results. Now, if there is evidence that it has spread, that's when we need to talk about chemotherapy and or radiation. And uh, the chemotherapy is, is given like many other types of chemotherapy, whether it be breast or colon cancer. You, you, usually they need a, a, a port inserted in their chest uh, so we can give it through the IV. Uh, and usually it's given over many, many months. Um, and then we repeat x-rays and look to see whether the lymph nodes have reduced in size. In some types of testicular cancer, if there are some residual swollen lymph nodes, they actually need some additional surgery called a retroperitoneal lymph node dissection, where we have to remove all of the lymph nodes in the very posterior part of the abdomen, uh, back behind the colon, uh, back by the main blood vessels uh, that run up and down in the back of our bellies. Uh, and that's a very big surgery. Now, that is a surgery that there are uh, you know, local specialists uh, both at um, uh, UPMC and Allegheny Health Network, you know, in large tertiary care academic centers where those patients would have that surgery performed. Um, and that's because it's, it's a big recovery and it's a big surgery. But that surgery is able to help remove any additional microscopic uh, metastatic cells that might still be there and give patients an excellent, excellent long-term uh, uh, recovery. And then lastly, radiation. There is, a, there is a type of testicular cancer called seminoma, which is the most common. It's about 50% of the cases. And those patients can do very well with chemotherapy and or radiation. And they can get radiation to their groin and part of those lymph nodes in their uh, retroperitoneum in the back and down into the pelvis. And that can also be curative uh, and uh, getting rid of any additional microscopic cells that may be free-floating. Uh, all of those treatments are, are well-tolerated. Um, uh, you know, chemotherapy, obviously, there's the side effects of that that most people are aware of, hair loss, GI symptoms, weight loss. Um, uh, but you know, these are young, otherwise young, healthy patients. They're usually able to get through that without much difficulty. Uh, and uh, you know, during radiation, usually some fatigue and um, uh, uh, as, as, as the main uh, as the main complaint. And then um, you know, the long-term risk of uh, surgery, in particular, of the retroperitoneal lymph nodes is once again uh, some changes in sexual function, uh, meaning that uh, some men may not be able to, you know, when they have sexual intercourse, they may not be able to expel the semen from their body. And so one other important reason that, you know, before you go down this path, that if you are at the uh, stage of your life where uh, reproduction is important, that you want to consider uh, sperm banking. Uh, so that is not a, uh, it's not a big setback in the future for you. Now, say you change your mind and you say yes, oh, or you get, or you then get married and then it's an issue later in life. There are assisted reproductive techniques that can be utilized, um, but it is always better to prepare a little bit for the future 
just uh, making the future then just a little bit more certain uh, for you. What is recovery like or how long would recovery take with whatever option that is uh, that is the option that you move forward on? Surgery, radiation, chemotherapy, not only being with your partner, but there's exercising and, and there's lifting and there's going to work. And some individuals work with uh, weights and heavy objects. So what is recovery like immediately after? Yeah, and, and, and we have a, a very hardworking community here in Butler, uh, and, and uh, so every time we do surgery, everybody wants to know, you know, how much time off from work and how is this going to affect their lives. So the first step when we remove that testicle called the orchiectomy surgery, uh, they really need to avoid lifting more than about 10, 15 pounds, and that's usually for a couple of weeks. I usually encourage people at least two weeks of no heavy lifting, uh, and then, you know, exercising, uh, uh, running, uh, running uh, doing sports, those types of things, they, they really need to avoid that for upwards of four weeks after surgery. Uh, so everybody's a little bit different with their work demands. Uh, most people just from the recovery, they're going to want to take at least a week or two off, even if they don't do a lot of uh, physical activity in terms of just that, you know, just recovery. Uh, but people that are laborers and, um, you know, machinists and, and do a lot of heavy lifting, uh, they may be talking about at least a couple of weeks off from the job. And then how often do you or would a man go back to their doctor to recheck? So again, let's say they've gone through this whole process. Are you wanting to see a patient every six months, every year, every couple of years? Like what's that timeline for an individual? So it actually depends on what treatment they ended up having done. Uh, some of them uh, actually need to be followed quarterly every couple of months. Uh, but people that have gone through all the treatment and they had a great response, uh, some of them just need to be seen uh, once or twice a year. So once they get through all the treatment, all the hard work's behind them, and then they can move on. And Dr. DiMatteo, is this hereditary? I ask it for a couple of reasons. One, because I think it's important to know your family history. But two, because if, if there is difficulty in discussing this within one's household or a man doesn't want to tell anyone else, I just want to express the importance of at least having, if you have a son, to at least let them know, because if it's hereditary, then that would be an important part of their life. Exactly. And yes, there is a familial link. So particularly people that have had a father or a brother that have had testicular cancer, um, all of the other uh, siblings or then the offspring in that family really need to pay very close attention um, uh, to their own anatomy. And so, you know, this, this is really something that I, I want to touch on here uh, before we wrap up our conversation is who needs to be checking themselves, who needs to be examining themselves on a regular basis. Now, the good news is because the overall survival rates are so excellent, and really, they, they are the best survival rates out of any solid tumor. Because they are so good, you know, men don't need to be walking around stressed out and worried that this may happen to them because even if it does, the results are good. But the people who are at higher risk for developing testicular cancer, they should perform a monthly self-examination. Uh, and you know, like I said at the very beginning, it, it's usually best done um, after a shower when the skin is soft and, uh, and relaxed and palpate it with one hand, secure the testicle with one hand and palpate with the other and just look for any abnormalities, firm areas or asymmetry between the two sides. People that should be doing that once a month are people that have had a family history of you know, father or brother or somebody that has had an, what's called an undescended testicle. 
And uh, the, the people that are at highest risk for developing a testicular tumor is somebody where this was either not recognized or was not surgically fixed prior to puberty. And those patients we know have an increased risk of testicular cancer. And so sometimes uh, these patients will actually still have the surgery to bring the testicle down lower into the scrotum just to help make it easier to perform their monthly uh, testicular self-examinations. But you know, usually those patients are aware as a child because the pediatrician uh, would have been able to let them know that that's something they need to be aware of. Um, somebody else that would be at risk of this is somebody that has been told that they have abnormal cells called neoplasia in situ uh, within the testicle. And usually that's somebody that's had a testicular biopsy uh, somebody within the age range of 15 to 35 that's had a testicular biopsy is somebody that has been evaluated for fertility issues, infertility, uh, whether it be uh, the male or their uh, female partner's uh, issue. If it looks like it's a male infertility, uh, a fertility specialist may have done a tiny biopsy of the testis. If they're told that they have this neoplasia in situ, they should perform monthly uh, self-examinations. Uh, one last question for you. I, not, yeah, I'm yeah. sorry. We have about 60 seconds left. One final okay. question for you that I have, if you don't mind, is where do you come into the journey of a man's life? Are we seeing, are, are they seeing you first or do they go to their PCP and then make an appointment with you? Yes. And, you know, so, you know, treating it uh, expeditiously is important. Um, usually if the PCP sees them, usually they're picking up the phone and they're calling us so we get them in quickly. Uh, in the end, it's uh, whoever they're most comfortable with seeing first. Um, and then, uh, you know, the, the healthcare providers here in Butler are excellent. We pick up the phone, we talk to each other, and we will take care of the rest. So uh, whoever they're most comfortable seeing, uh, and uh, be, uh, they should feel uh, confident that they're getting excellent care either way. Absolutely. Dr. DiMatteo, of course, with the team here with Urology 104 Technology Drive, that's where you are, Suite 204. And then your phone number is 833-995-0121. That is correct. Okay, fantastic. All right. So if we need to make an appointment or if you have a loved one that needs to make an appointment, that would be an option for you or see your PCP and and take those steps as well. But please get seen. Any final thoughts, Dr. DiMatteo? No, we'd be happy to take care of you. Uh, and uh, any concerns, uh, we're always here to, to help the community out. Fantastic. And thank you so much for your time. Oh, you as well. Have a great rest of the day. And folks, we are out of time. But if you would like to listen to this program again in its entirety, you can join us online for that at WISR680.com. You're going to pick programs and then drop that down to Let's Talk. I'm Tracy Morgan with the Butler Radio Network.